Welcome to today's Power Up Your Presence podcast. I'm Diane Craig. And I'm Sandra Corelli. We have designed each and every episode to help you power up, step up, and lead up your presence. A mix of stories, tips, insights, and conversations with trailblazers who speak candidly about their journey to leadership. On today's episode, we're thrilled to welcome Carol Stevenson. In a 40-year career that has seamlessly spanned private and public sector leadership roles, Carol Stevenson was a highly respected CEO who played a critical role in restructuring the telecommunications industry, a visionary who helped transform business education, serving as Dean of the Ivy Business School at Western University. Carol, a corporate director, currently serves on the boards of several leading companies. She is a director of General Motors Company, Maple Leaf Foods, Inc., and Intact Financial Services, Inc. Carol was chair of the Ontario Research Fund Advisory Board and was also a member of the Board of Directors of the Vancouver Olympic Games Organizing Committee. She has earned significant recognition for her community work and industry involvement over the years, including induction into Canada's Telecommunications Hall of Fame, London's Business Hall of Fame, Women of Influence's Top 25 Women of Influence, and National Post's 50 Most Powerful Women. In 2009, she was appointed an Officer of the Order of Canada, and in 2012, the Queen Elizabeth II Diamond Jubilee Award. She also received recognition as one of the top 100 business directors of the U.S. Welcome, Carol. We're so happy to have you with us. Thank you, Sandra. Yes, we are. And uh, I was so looking forward to have you with us. And we have many, many questions to ask you. And I'm sure our listeners are eager to, to hear about you as well. Carol. Um, every time I go over your bio, I'm in awe. And my first question for you today is, as you listen to someone reading your bio, and we shortened it, right? <laughs> what goes through your mind? Like, How do you feel? Well, first of all, I think my parents would have been very proud. <laughs> Uh, but the second thing I would say is that I'm also somewhat amazed when I hear someone go over uh, my accomplishments, because when I think back to when I was in my early 20s, I don't think anyone, including myself, would have predicted that I would have gone on to have the career that I had. But I attribute it to courage, uh, persistence. And also a willingness to take risks and to do things that I had no idea how to do, but I just said yes and plowed on. Yes, and and I guess that you know, like it's the way you learn, mm -hmm. always. And uh, and and talking about learning, I, I want to go back to the first CEO position because uh, when I first met you, you were CEO at Bell Stentor, and at the time. You were surrounded by mostly male executives. As a matter of fact, I remember you asking, all right, what do I do? It's been a long day in the boardroom. It's 9 p.m. The men have removed their jackets. They've loosened their ties, rolled up their sleeves to be more comfortable, and everybody's working really hard. And uh, so what am I supposed to do to fit in <laughs> and uh, because i remember you'd be wearing a jacket right and that would be the top like so <laughs> removing the jacket was not quite going to happen so 
Today, you sit on a number of boards, as uh, we mentioned in your in reading your bio, and uh, so GM, Maple Leaf Foods, and Intact Financial Services, and so. What are the biggest changes you've seen for women in the boardroom, if any at all? Well, first of all, when you walk into a boardroom, you actually see less ties now. Yeah, <laughs> Very that's true. true. <laughs> they, the men have uh, got rid of their ties. Uh, but seriously, uh, as you have more women on boards, you feel more like you fit in. Uh, there's been some research done, and I think it's credible research that says that as soon as you get more than one woman on a board, it makes a difference. And some of those feelings of being the one person that's a woman mm -hmm. on a board disappear. Uh, and I'll use General Motors as an example. Uh, the majority of our board members are now women. Unheard of. Wow. <laughs> a few years ago. Amazing. Uh, we, of course, have a female CEO, and we have a female CFO. So, you know, I, I don't think as much about fitting in in these days as I did in the early days, Diane, when uh, we were trying to figure out what I could kick off, yeah. <laughs> like maybe my shoes. <laughs> so I, in some ways, I think it's uh, as the numbers have started to increase, and of course, we're not there yet, but it really is uh, a more natural feeling that you belong and you're not working so hard at Fitting in, fitting with, in with the guys and ties. Yeah. So breaking into this inner circle is not so much a thing now right. than it was then. Yeah, which is so good to hear. And we have made tremendous progress. And companies like General Motors are definitely leading the way. Today, though, in Canada, we do see that 95% of decision makers are men. And less than 25% of women hold a director role on board. So still more work to do for sure. What advice would you give women who aspire to sit on a board? Well, the first thing I think you have to think about is why do you want to be on a board? Mm. Uh, it, I mean, it's not an easy task. And I think some people are unaware of what it actually means to be a director. So mm -hmm. figuring out why. And then the second thing is figuring out what value that you're going to add as a board member. Because there aren't that many directors And so when boards are selecting new directors, they're looking for, you know, particular skills or someone that they think is going to add value to them. And I think sometimes women in particular assume that everybody understands what their value add might right. be. And you really, it's just like going for a job interview. You really do have to think about why should they choose me? Why am I the best person for the job? How will I contribute? Uh, so... Uh, my advice are those two things. First of all, why do you want to do this? And secondly, what's the value that you're going to add so that you can prepare properly uh, for an interview? Yeah, which is such great advice. And we know it can be more challenging for women to really self-advocate for themselves and self-promote for themselves. And so that ability to really articulate what sets you apart from others who may be competing for the board of director role or men who may be competing for mm -hmm. the board of director role is so critical. Well, and the other thing too, Sandra, is that you have to make it known that you want to be a director. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just taking a course here or there and hoping that it's just going to fall in your lap or, you know, going to a, a search consultant uh, is not the way that you're going to get on a board, in my opinion. So, you know, you have to cultivate and 
let people know who are in positions of influence that you are interested. Yeah. Because it doesn't just fall mm-hmm. in your lap. Right. Yeah. And actually, uh, I'd like to ask, like, for in answering the why, is the answer to your why different for each organization? Uh, well, I think, first of all, you have to understand the risks that you take when you become a director. And that's, that applies to all boards. I mean, you have, if something goes wrong, your reputation is at stake. You know, you could have built up a great career and then all of a sudden you're involved in something that in a company that, you know, they are blaming the board because they were not paying attention. So, you know, you have to think about that. Uh, but yes, I think depending on what board it is, you need to think about the industry. I mean, there's some industries that I have, first of all, no knowledge of and no interest in. Mm. And so, you know, that's a, that's a whole different thing than, you know, something that really excites me and I can get quite uh, passionate about the industry. So I would say on some things, the why are similar across boards, but on some things, they're individual according to your own capabilities likes, yeah. talent. Yeah, and that makes sense. Yeah. 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 Which is why building those relationships, cultivating those relationships and your network is also so important to really go through that self-exploration phase to identify what boards may be right for mm-hmm. you and where your interests lie. Right. Very good. So the conference board believes that the factors that appear to be influenced by more women on boards are precisely those that have the most impact on corporate results. Are you able to elaborate on that for us? Well, I don't know that it's a direct correlation, but I do know that having a certain number of women on a board does make a difference to the discussion around the board table. And there are a couple things, and one always hesitates to overgeneralize. <laughs> right, of course. But here, my observations are that women are very good listeners. Mm-hmm. And they're also not afraid to say, I don't understand this. Can you explain this to me? Whereas sometimes men, they think that they should know everything. So I find women are sometimes a little more inquisitive and things come out that might not otherwise have come out in the conversation. Uh, So I think that diversity of thought by having more uh, women uh, and, you know, uh, different people with different backgrounds makes a difference um, given their own experiences. So I think it's that that actually has the correlation to the results. And often those companies that are recruiting diversity of thought are actually companies that are more progressive. So it's sort of hard to make that one-on-one, you know, we did this, so therefore we got this outcome. Mm -hmm. But I do think the factors around women's capabilities and their differences do contribute to that diversity of thought and therefore better advice and better discussion at the board table. And the perspectives they bring yes. to that. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if it's a consumer company, for example, I mean, I think we all know that women make up a pretty large percentage of um, the buying decisions. Yes. And so they think about things. I mean, even cars and trucks, 80% of the buying decisions are made by women. So it's helpful to have women around the table that kind of understand what they're looking for and how important certain things are. So true. Yeah. Do you feel also that, um, actually, I was almost a little bit surprised 
you know, to hear that women actually are not afraid to ask the questions because often uh, many will try and flee from, you know, situations that may diminish their presence if they think so. So would you say that women are perhaps uh, more vulnerable around uh, a boardroom table? Well, I think when they start, they might um, not quite have the confidence that they get later on. So, mm. but actually, I think when you first start on the board, listening and kind of being quiet in the first little bit is not a bad thing because you're figuring out the culture, the issues, you know, what, what you should do. Uh, but I think if it's an experienced executive or someone that's recently retired, Generally, by that time, they have confidence. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I have not found the women to be shrinking violets uh -huh. on, on the boards yeah. I'm on. <laughs> but they do it differently. I mean, yeah. they, they are not combative. They, you know, they don't sort of come out of the gate saying, you know, you're wrong. And, you know, they tend to ask more questions around, you know, can you tell me why you're thinking this? Or... How do you think about this? Mm -hmm. And then you get a much better discussion going than, you know. Right. So they ask, they, they, they are assertive. Mm -hmm. And curious. And curious. Yeah. You know, talking about corporation, um, one of the complaints that we hear ourselves in our business, in the business community, is that MBA grads, and now this is men and women, not just women, don't hone their soft that there aren't enough focus on their leadership and executive presence, such as communications, body language, presentation skills, emotional intelligence. And as I thought that you as the former dean of the Ivy School of Business, what is your perspective on this? Well, at Ivy, uh, this was a very big focus. Uh, I can't speak to other business schools because I'm not exactly sure what mm -hmm. they Fair. they mm -hmm. do. But um, as it's often said, uh, the soft skills are the hard skills. Yes. And so communication skills, presentation skills, the soft skills, including leadership, uh, make a huge difference in your career. And so we taught this at Ivy and we thought it was very important. But funnily enough, I, when I would go and visit alumni you know, 10, 15 years post-graduation, they often said to me, you know, I never realized how important those courses were <laughs> until I actually started to advance in my career. Mm. And then I realized they're not the bird courses. Neither. They're actually the hard courses. <laughs> yeah. And now that I have to apply all those things as a leader, uh, I, in hindsight, recognize that maybe I should have paid a little more attention to those courses right. when I was at business school. But no, I, I mean, to answer your question, I think they're really important. And especially as you progress in your career and you become a leader and you're, you know, managing teams and you're making executive presentations, you don't have those skills. You're at a really big disadvantage. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because presentation skills alone, we say, you know, it's a, it's a life skill and mm -hmm. it's critical and everyone needs it. And, and and especially you sitting on the board and know that when you have people who you know present to the board, you know you you're looking for you know what do I need to know 
and not so much all of the context and the context and what are my risks and all of that. So, um, you know, we, we've talked a lot about sitting on boards. And now I would like to switch a conversation to those who have to present to the board of directors of their organization. Um, so we, I started talking a little bit about your expectations and, um, but can you share with us in general, you know, what does a board expect in terms of the behavior of management during board Well, I think board members are looking for, as you call it, executive presence. Uh, um, this includes everything from their presentation skills to their strategic skills to their emotional intelligence. And we're often looking at their potential to go to more senior positions, especially if we as board members know that they're on a succession plan. Mm. So we are paying attention to... Uh, the whole package uh, that a person presents, not strictly the content that they're trying mm -hmm. to impart. So the whole package. Mm. So this bring me, brings me to my next question. So uh, board members would, in fact, put um, some emphasis on the informal interactions with management, such as uh, how do you experience Uh, management during breaks, lunches, dinners, uh, because oftentimes, you know, maybe they think this is the time to relax, but this is also the time where things may derail, so I'd like to hear from you about that. <laughs> yes, it is very important uh, that we as the board also learn about a person's personality, especially if they're on a succession plan, because we're looking for You know, are they really demonstrating the potential to be leaders? And you see their maturity. Mm. Um, you see the sorts of things that they want to talk about in informal situations, their language. Mm -hmm. And also the thing that I find shines through in these informal situations is their character. And character is so important when you're making decisions on uh, promotions and Absolutely. And leadership, and it it's hard to figure out in a formal board setting with a presentation. Mm -hmm. So I use these informal occasions, and most boards have board dinners, and they'll invite um, some of their yeah. And so I I I'm a big listener when when I get some people at my table that are you know I know aiming for higher things. And, you know, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm looking at character. Uh, I'm looking at what they're talking about. Uh, I mean, if language is important, if suddenly, you know, their language gets, you know, quite rude or they talk about other people in a demeaning fashion right. or even table manners <laughs> yeah. or how much they're drinking. I mean, this, it sounds, uh, sounds maybe trite, but those things matter when it's you're Absolutely, when you're right? Because, uh, yeah. So don't let your guard down. No, exactly. No. Yeah, you, 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 you're still under review. Right? You are. Okay, yes, exactly. <laughs> and in many of either the formal interactions or more informal interactions, what have you observed in terms of some of the biggest missteps that management has made? Well, the biggest misstep in formal presentations is reading the PowerPoint slides. Yes. 
I just think I that can't. must be painful. Oh, it's painful. <laughs> <laughs> and I think they forget that first of all, we've already read them because you come prepared to a board meeting, and you think, oh God, you know, half an hour of listening to this person read what we have already read. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really bad. The second one, and I've seen uh, executives make a mistake here where they don't really listen to your questions. Mm -hmm. And I think what they're doing is they're starting to formulate their answers before you've even finished your question. And then they end up with an answer that either doesn't make sense or doesn't really answer the question. So that's the second one. You know, listen to the questions carefully. You don't have to start talking until the you know, the question is over and actually a little pause between the question and your response isn't a bad thing. And then the third thing that I have seen is where they won't engage the board or they don't even try. Mm. I mean, I really like presentations where they say, you know, this is the biggest issue in this presentation that we're thinking about. And, you know, I really value your input and here's, here's the question. And then, you know, you get that engagement going. And it's it's just I think first of all for the presenter they're they're going to get some valuable advice which should mm-hmm. be right. helpful to them and secondly it's actually a more uh, satisfying experience for a board member so you know I think to sort of come in and think okay I'm just going to do this ten minute presentation and if I get out alive um, that will be wonderful <laughs> yeah, that's success that's if I success. get out alive yeah, that's right. <laughs> you're missing a very yes. big opportunity to Absolutely. engage board members so. Those would be the three things that I probably see the most often. Yeah, and and I guess it's an opportunity not just to present what you know about, but what can you learn from the members or right. of the board, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, the insights they can take away from that conversation can help them be more successful. Mm-hmm. And not everybody is the smartest person in the room. So having yeah. you know a board really is a team. So having input from others uh, might actually help the outcome or the decision that you're trying to make. And I love how you said to to really take the pause. And we talk a lot about the power of the pause, whether it's when you're speaking or before you're going to answer a question or before any interaction to really allow you to be intentional about how you're going to show up and how you're going to act in, in that situation. Mm-hmm. So, so important. Do you believe, though, that, and I know for some people it's their first time presenting in front of the board and it can be Mm nerve-wracking and overwhelming, do you believe management really understands the board responsibilities enough to be able to prepare appropriately? Probably not. And what I, I think they don't understand is that a board is there for oversight and strategy. We're not there to understand every operational detail (laughs) of the business. And I think sometimes, because they don't understand the board's role, they're trying to make us understand every operational detail. Get in the weeds. Get in the weeds. And that's not why we're there. Uh, We're not actually very good in the weeds. And so, you know, I, I, I mean, that's not true of every presenter, but I think they just have to remember that they actually know way more than we do about the operation, but the purpose of their presentation isn't to get our level of understanding on operational matters up to their speed. Right. It's really to be more strategic, uh, to provide oversight, to make, you know, make sure the right questions have been asked around something. And understanding that, I think, is helpful before you go in to make a presentation. 
It's such important advice. It's not about sharing everything you know. It's what does your audience need to know? Mm-hmm. And there's a big difference between Absolutely. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it's. Uh, I think that the the ability to um, understanding what the board is doing, I think, um, helps them prepare their presentation much better as well. You know, mm-hmm. because if they think about these are the visionaries, they're the strategic people, because sometimes you're so involved with something that you need to take a step back in order to see what is really happening. And I think that's what uh, a big responsibility of the board is, is to... Yeah, and even if they start off by saying, you know, here's the strategy around whatever it is that they're talking about, and this is why this is the strategy, um, that kind of sets the context and the tone you know, as opposed to leaping right into numbers and facts and figures mm, and right. yeah. yeah, a lot of context, right? You know, Carol, you've had like a, a fulfill a fulfilling career. <laughs> no, no, no doubt about that. And every time I see you, you talk about your retirement. <laughs> I don't know what is that about, <laughs> but um, since you last, uh, what I would call full-time position as the dean uh, at Ivy. Uh, What's life like for you today? (laughs) (laughs) Life is great. (laughs) Uh, Seriously, though, you know, I I think putting to use all of my experience uh, on various boards without the daily expectations of a CEO, uh, Mm. more flexibility, more choice. But I have to say, None of this great life would have happened without the experience I had. So in a way, uh, people remind me that you kind of work for it. Uh, But after 40 years, I also think it is time to make your own choices, to figure out what you want to do, have more flexibility, uh, because you probably, you know, won't have another 40 years, so make the the best of it. So um, all of that to say... Uh, I'm not sitting home watching soap operas on the couch every day. <laughs> I'm still intellectually stimulated and still working at things that I'm passionate about. But the difference is that, you know, if I choose to take two or three weeks on vacation, my calendar can generally allow for that. It allows that. You're more in control of your right. day-to-day. And you can't do that. As a CEO, I mean, essentially, you're on 24-7. Uh, you never know what's going to happen. I mean, I'm not saying that you work seven days a week, but the responsibility and the accountability that you hold uh, for everything, I mean, the buck stops there. Yeah. So it it's a different level of uh, stress, responsibility, et cetera, when you don't have that role anymore. That's wonderful. So with all the time that you have now, when are we going to read your book? <laughs> You're not. <laughs> I don't know who would want to read it. <laughs> well, you'd be surprised, right? I, I was just going to say that, um, well, you may change your mind, but um, I, um, I I think that uh, maybe if it's not a, um, a technical 
uh, book or something on, on leadership or the telecommunication industry, maybe you'll want to write a, a murder mystery or. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I guess never say never. Yeah, right. Um, you know, this has uh, been very enlightening and we could go on forever and, um, uh, at this point, you know, I, I maybe would like to... We'll to, wrap with our lightning round? Yes, yes. yes. Mm. So speaking of books, uh, what is a recent book or author who has impacted the way you see the world? I just finished uh, Michelle Obama's book. Uh, oh, wasn't it? Wonderful? Yes. Yes. And, you know, I was surprised because I thought it was going to be all about her time in the White House, and it wasn't. It was all about her life. And you're talking about diversity and challenges and those sorts of things. I found it interesting to read about the courage that she displayed and how she approached issues that she encountered early on in her life. Yeah. So, you know, for me, it was uh, a story about courage. It was a story about diversity. It was a story about some of the things I talked about at the beginning of this podcast, persistence and mm-hmm. not letting things go get to you. So I uh, I found it a really interesting book and um, a better book than I thought it was going to be because I thought we were just going to read about the White House. <laughs> right. And amazing to see how authentic you yes. stayed throughout all yes. of it. Habit or skill most people don't know about you? Uh, I was the most valuable player in basketball in high school. And I know that people can't see me, uh, <laughs> but they would be shocked because I'm five foot three. <laughs> <laughs> but, that's amazing <laughs> i was fast strategic I'm tough, I'm tough, <laughs> and i had good focus <laughs> yes you brought that to the business world so skills are transferable <laughs> it all started in the basketball court yeah. excellent oh my God. favorite place to go on vacation oh south of france without a doubt i've been going there for years renting the same house and it is my decompression point beautiful what makes you the most hopeful about the future I think the the new young generation. I mean, I just, I was listening to the woman, the young woman at Davos, and I can't remember her name now, um, but essentially telling us all that her house was on fire. Those were her words. And, you know, she didn't want us to think just that she was a good speaker. She wanted us to take action uh, because our house is on fire. And it was all about climate change. And I see you know, young people like this, and you see them everywhere, who, you know, it could be climate change. It, it's sort of about issues that they feel strongly about that they think we should fix so that the world is better. And I look at, you know, I know you talk about and teach communications and presentation skills. Some of them are so mature and they're so emotionally intelligent for their ages uh, that that does give me hope because I'm really looking forward to watching them and see how they run the world because I, th- I think it is a different way than it certainly is being run now or it was in the past. So um, the youth uh, give me great optimism for the future. They are so inspiring and living with purpose, which is really yeah. setting them apart. Yeah, they're really passionate about different issues and 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 they're not afraid to speak up and get involved and and make a difference in a a constructive positive way it's not just you know having tents in the park or something yeah and they're so they're pretty amazing generation now again they're probably not all the same but i just see them 
time and time again, and I am pretty impressed. And what's really interesting to me is the generational changes. You know what what happened between the millennials and then you know the, the next generation and the generation coming up now. And but I would say that they're pretty they're pretty serious people that mm. do want to have impact in the world. And you know it's also a good lesson for businesses because and business schools. You know these are the people that want to have purpose in their life and they want to work for companies that they also believe have some sort of moral high ground and purpose. Yeah, it's got to align with their values. Absolutely. Yeah, so it's kind of interesting to uh, to see how we will all handle that in the corporate world. Yes, yes, definitely. Well, you know, Carol, um, I uh, we are both, Sandra and I, so um, grateful for you to take the kind the time to join us uh, uh, during these days where you control your, your time a lot better. Although after this conversation, I know that you just had a you know quite a few board meetings, and now you're off to you'll be teaching a course um, to HR people for ICD, which you know again will keep you quite busy. But you know what? keeps you out there up to date and you know and just um certainly uh, a very informed woman still and uh, you've been appreciated by many in many different companies and i know that here in canada and the u.s that you are recognized for all your contributions and all that you've done to help in the different industries and sitting on the boards that you're sitting right now i know that you're a valuable asset and i think they're very lucky to have thank you, you diane and i just want to add that uh for the audience diane also helped me when i was a brand new ceo uh, <laughs> she gave me some of the training that some of you may be uh experiencing and it really uh, was valuable to me at that point in my career so thank you diane for everything you you did for me but also that you're doing for others and you too sandra thank you so much <laughs> thank you carol <laughs> All of the details can be found in the show notes for today's episode. Every morning, set your intentions toward your dreams. Some may refer to goals. We like the word dreams. It sounds more exciting and not so hard to think about. We hope to meet you in person one day at one of our workshops, or you may even decide that private coaching is more for you. We encourage you to go to our website at corporateclassinc.com for additional resources, blogs, and videos that you may find to help enhance your confidence and your presence. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe to our podcast. It's complimentary. And write a review. Thank you for listening to Power Up Your Presence podcast. The passion, the presence, the power. Until next time, power up, step up, lead up. Lead up.